Chapel. It is so good to see those of you that are here in, in the sanctuary, and it's wonderful to welcome those online. And this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice. All right, I know you can do a little bit better than that. Let me say that one more time. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice. Okay. At this time, this is our opening prayer, our invocation of prayer, and I'd like to invite each and every one of you to join me as we call for the Holy Spirit this morning to be with us during our service. So let us pray. God, all glory and honor and adoration, the Heavenly Father, praise belong to you. We ask the Heavenly Father that you prepare us through the active presence of your Holy Spirit today. We ask that you enlighten our understanding, purify our desire, quicken our wills, and strengthen our purpose. We ask the Heavenly Father also that you move in this house of God in a mighty way. We ask that you anoint us with the kingdom service, that there be no hindrance to our worship, no distraction in our praise, no hesitation in our hallelujahs. Direct us, this Lord, this hour of worship to magnifying of your name and to the enduring good of us, your children, and your servants. Through Christ Jesus we do pray. Amen. Anybody came to praise him this morning? Anybody came to praise him this morning? Well, come on, let's give him glory this morning. It's all right to put your hands together in here. Put your hands together, y'all. Oh, yeah. I came to give him glory.
morning, Kate Chapel. I will be reading the uh, morning scripture from First uh, Corinthians, sixth chapter, twelfth through the fourteenth verse, and it's as follows: I have the right to do anything you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything but I will not be mastered by anything. You say, food for the stomach and stomach for the food, and God will destroy them both, the body. God will, dis- will destroy them both, the body. However, is not meant for sexual immoralities, but for the Lord. And the Lord for the body and his power, by his power, God raised the Lord from the dead and will also raise us. Lord, God's word for God's people. Let us pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, Lord God, the creator of all things, the Lord of Lord and the King of Kings. We know, Lord God, that you control all things. That you have all things in your hands, Lord God. We know that you have a son that died for our sins, O Heavenly Father. That's your salvation plan through him that we are saved, O Heavenly Father. Also, Lord God, we have with us today the Holy Spirit that dwells within us. A sanctifying power that give us strength, O oh Lord God, to go another day. To see every day and strengthen us to be sanctified. Sanctifying us to a glorious kingdom, O oh Heavenly Father. Now, Lord, look upon the ones that is sick. The ones that is weak. Not only sick in the, in the, in the physical, Lord God, but in the spirit also. Touch them now, O oh Lord God. Strengthen them. Lord, look upon the bereaved family. All the ones that bereaved throughout the world, O oh Lord God, for this or that. Even of the coronavirus, O oh Lord God. Touch them right now, O oh Lord. Let your spirit, as the, as the virus goes throughout the world, allow your spirit to dominate, O oh Heavenly Father. Let it be magnified throughout the world, O Heavenly Father, that we can look towards you knowing that you make no mistakes, O Lord Heavenly Father, that you are all-powerful and that you are the comforter. We have the comforter with us, O Heavenly Father, that you give us strength day by day, that we need to keep that in mind, O Heavenly Father. Let us keep that in mind that you are in control, that all power is in your hands, O Heavenly Bless now, Heavenly Father, the ones that are going to bring to preach word. Let it be a meditating in our hearts and minds. Let us not only hear the word, O oh Lord God, but be doers of this word. These blessings I ask in your son Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Good morning. It's time for giving. Scripture. And this stone which I have set for a pillar shall be God's house, 
and all that thou shalt give me, I will surely give thee tent unto thee. May God have the blessing to the hearers and doers of his word.
Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord God, for the, the blessings of the giving. Bless the ones that was able to give. Bless the ones that were not able to give but had a desire to give, oh Lord God. These blessings I ask in your son Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Good morning, K Chapel. It is so good to see so many of you here this morning, even with the bad weather. It is a good thing to be able to come back into the house of the Lord. You know, as Christians, we have the responsibility to pray for, care for, and take care of our own members. Let us continue to pray for all our bereaved families. Brother Bobby Naylor lost his father, Elder Leroy Naylor. Arrangements will be shared when made available. Reverend Leroy Harrington lost his sister-in-law, Sister Beulah Mae Harrington. The funeral service will be held in New York on January 22nd. Sister Luberta Mixon lost her husband of 75 years, Brother Dorsey Mixon. That service will be held at 11 o'clock on Thursday, January 20th, here at Cade Chapel. Brother Mixon is also the father of Sister Jean Clark. Sister Deborah Washington Travis lost her grandson, Desmond D. Washington. There will be a graveside service at 11 o'clock at Garden Memorial Cemetery on Saturday, January 22nd. And we ask that you continue to pray for those that are recovering at home um, and at, in the hospital. Brother Joe Lowry is still in the hospital, and Sister Bobby Edwards is also in the hospital. Both are recovering. As I always say, pray when you can, visit where you can, and each day, thank God that you can. Thank you.
Anybody believe that? Mm, that was weak. Do you really believe that God restores? I mean, when you when you least expect things to go your way, right? God is right there, and He can He can restore you. He can He can change things in your life that you didn't think could be changed, right? I I just want to give honor to God first of all, and to thank you, uh, those of you that are my church family. You know, we have gone through a lot in the past week and a half with our family. Um, my sister is not here this morning because little James, and, and, and we need to give praise reports when we can give praise reports, uh, is on his way to Memphis, and God has blessed him uh, here within a few days of all that has happened to that young man losing his mom. He is going to be accepted in Memphis State University. Amen. Come on, y'all. We, we, we got to get God praise. He can restore when we don't think that it is a possibility to be restored. And uh, over in Herman and Deborah, and they are on their way taking James to Memphis this morning. So I'm asking you to uh, pray for my family, pray for him being able to settle. Uh, he is going to be with his big brother, Stefan, in Memphis. And you know that Daryl and New Sardis Baptist Church is right there to guard over him. So we're just giving praises this morning that God is a good God. And he can restore what we don't think is order, but he does restore. Now it's preaching time. When Pastor contacted me this week, I was a little leery, and then I thought about it. What is a better time to preach than when you're hurting? What, what is a better time to let God use you when you're not what you want to be or when yourself is not what you want it to be? And, and so I quickly said, yes, sir, I will. I can. That was the words I gave him. I said, I can. And it's because of I believe that the God in me. The sermon topic for today is you have a right. You heard the scripture in your reading that said, I have the right to do anything you say. But not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything. But I will not be mastered by anything. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for the freedom we have in Christ. Thank you that we are not under any form of a law, but under grace. Keep us from our sins, I pray. Give us wisdom to recognize things that are permissible, but which are not expedient to your will. Help us to live our lives in ways 
that honor you, Lord. Thank you that in Christ all things are lawful if we believe. But I pray that we will not cause another to stumble or backslide because of our actions. Please forgive us our sins. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. It was amazing to me that this topic of you have a right came so quick this week. And I suppose it was because I was already in the mode of looking at Martin Luther King's life. You know, every time this time of January comes around, there's all kinds of uh, advertisements and all kinds of reminders about Martin Luther King's journey and Martin Luther King's life. And Kayla, you know how we who are in the Baptist faith and all of us who go to schools that are HBCUs, there's all kinds of recognitions and tomorrow go online and Tougaloo College will be given a special recognition with Dr. Cindy Ayers as their speaker at 8 o'clock in the morning if you can get up at that time. Uh, so we know that this is a reason that we would think about your rights, right? In the Church of Corinth, which is where this scripture is coming from, where Paul writes a letter to them and he says that their practices of sexual immorality are just out of place. They are Christians. They have no business doing what they see pagans doing. And he is telling them, as Christians, we are supposed to understand that our body belongs to God. Paul was sharing with them that you must run from such thinking and you must run towards opportunities to glorify God. He wrote to remind them that they may have a right to do anything, but their bodies did not belong to them. It belonged to Christ. As Christians, our goals are not to dominate anything. Our goals in the spiritual realm is to do what we should be doing so that we as Christians fulfill what God would have us to do. We are not under laws anymore. We are under grace. That means we are called to be what I'd like to call supernatural standard living people. And that's because we're not living by our own standards, we're living by God's standards. That means we're not living by our own power, we are living by the supernatural power of an almighty God. Amen? So, this freedom we have sets us free from restrictions of legalistic rituals and spiritual regulations. But we not, must not be entrapped with our own thinking, participating in an activities that does not represent God. We must not become obsessed with earthly activities. The new 
translation from the Living Bible has a few different words for that same scripture. I am not allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. And even though I'm not allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave to anything. So let us address the right. You have a right. You have a right. You have a right. Haven't you heard that so many times? Our bodies, they have been fit for glorious service. And I love the 19th and 20th verse of that same sixth chapter. You're not your own, but bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. So I want to talk about what do you have a right to do. And three things just came out of nowhere. That's how the Holy Spirit would do, you know. You're not thinking about something, and then all of a sudden, in the ricky, it just comes to your mind. And, and the first thing that God brought to my mind, you have a right. You have a right to pursue happiness. You have a right to pursue happiness. You know, we, we think about those words and we kind of sit down and, what is happiness? How do I pursue happiness? And it's going after those things that you know will clear the way for better living. Dr. Martin Luther King, back in the 50s, talked about rights under freedom when he said, not only do you have the right to be free, but a duty to be free. So when you sit down on a bus, when you sit down in the front, or you sit down by a white person, you are sitting down because you have a duty to sit down, not merely a right. We at Cade Chapel, we have been actively involved in human, civic, and social justice rights for more than 60 years. Now, that should deserve a hand clap. You know, that there's not very many churches that have that kind of history. Our outreach ministries perform proactively in support of the rights of citizens in our community with special emphasis on to help the least, the left out, and the spiritually lost. This mission work that we have been engaged in, in preaching and teaching to explain rights that are principles according to the Bible. Do the right thing was drummed into us by our parents, our Sunday school teachers, our Baptist training union folk, and every neighborhood adult would tell you do the right thing and even in our schools. But you know, there's one of these phrases that I do not like. You have the right to remain silent. For what you say may be used against you in a court of law. We've heard that too many times. But in the church, we were also taught that you do not have a right to be silent. If you can say something to correct something wrong, you have a right to do that. You have a right to prevent something that may be going bad right in your neighborhood. Dr. King said it this way. 
our lives began to end the day when silence about things that matter. Does that sink into you? Our lives begin to end the day we become silent about things that matter. The black church has taught me history. It also taught us civics, even when the public schools refused to be inclusive. Our leaders, our pastors, the Christians around us talk to us about immoral laws and, and criminal activities in high places. And also the whole ideal of us as black citizens being denied the basic human rights in our church. And because of that, me as a little child, I learned that the February 3rd, 1870 constitutional right of the 15th Amendment gave black men the right to vote. And it said, the right of citizens of the United States to vote shall not be denied or abridged by the United States or any state on account of race, color, or previous condition of servitude. Now, what that meant is it was a landmark decision because blacks had been not counted as people but as animals. And, you know, I thought about if these 57 words could be agreed upon by what they call the five committee, and they had five objectives, reform, establish, ensure, promote, and secure, and that same thing had six promises of basic principles, then my thinking as a child was I should be able to quote that. I should be able to tell someone that the Constitution of the United States guaranteed me rights. That's the reason why, as a young protester, I would quote the preamble to the Constitution of the United States. When I was arrested, if they asked me my name, this is what I said. We, the people, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provided the common defense, promoted the general welfare, and secured the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, do ordain and establish the Constitution of the United States. There wasn't a police officer that even seemed to know what I was talking about. But... We do have inalienable rights, which the Declaration said was given to all humans by the Creator. We had the life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. You know, Thomas Jefferson and that Committee of Five that I talked about, they may not have considered colored people back then, but I claim this Declaration of Independence. And we learned it here at Cade Chapel. And of course, that became my second quote that I would use if I was actually arrested. And they asked me, who are your parents? I would say, we hold these truths to be self-evident. 
that all men are created equal and that they are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights, that among them is life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Needless to say, that was not taken well. But our understanding was taught to us. Our rights under the Bill of Rights within our Constitution was taught to us. We learned church covenant that outlined our rights of church membership. We took to heart those sermons. Some of them were really odd, but they, we took to heart the fire and Bernstein, Bernstein kinds of sermons that told us that God would get us if we didn't do good. And that we knew Jesus was coming back again. And to get ourselves right for the Lord. We learned well. So when I returned home here in 2014, you didn't see anything new. You saw the same passion. You saw the same Shirley fighting for voting rights telling you about your Christian responsibilities as it relates to the ministry of the church. And yet, last year, 2021, in our nation's capital, we saw something that was incredible. People who said they had a right bombard the capital push their way in to a building that belongs to all of us and even cause some deaths in what they called their right. But now we see another phenomenal. Here we are in 2022, still talking about voting rights. There is a new bill called the Freedom to Vote Act. And we don't seem to get enough support from good people of America who are representing folk from all around the country. They have not seen fit to pass the 2022 Freedom to Vote Act. And then, least I depress you, we have our own congressional representative, Benny Thompson, who is the chair of the Committee on Homeland Security. He is leading the select committee investigation. His team is looking into the insurrection activities. Chairman Thompson's hearings are asking the questions, where do rights end? What do rights cover? What is a right protected for some and not for all? Pray for him. Pray for his committee work. But I'd like to go back to the 60s when Stokely Carmichael talked about rights. And he said, quote, by any means necessary. And then Malcolm X, who nearly said the same words, but he said, we will have liberty by any means necessary. It's very clear to me that the pursuit of happiness Getting those things that you rightly deserve as a citizen have been made clear in that clarity of our people through the years.
I may go back through these events. I may have talked to you about what Martin Luther King and others said. But let's go to the word of God. In all thy ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. Go back one verse of Proverbs 3, and it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. Dr. King was right when he said, the time is always right to do what is right. And if we know what is right, and we believe that a God is behind us, backing us, ensuring that we are on the right path, then we have no other responsibility but to study his word and prove unto God a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. You know you have rights. Pursue your rights and let God guide you in the pursuit of the right reason with the right purpose. Now, let's go to the second point. You have a right to reasonable service. When you think about reasonable service, people like Margaret Walker Alexander come to mind, a genius who gave this world such poetic verses and left with a legacy to us in poetry. That was her reasonable service. Then we think about Dr. Clary Collins Harvey, who learned antique embalming techniques from Africa that gave the world evidence when they exhumed Megar Evers' body that was able to help convict a killer. That was her reasonable service. And no, <laughs> I cannot give you reasonable service with a melodic voice like Mahalia Jackson or Oprah Porter. When you listen to them sing, it stirs your spirit. But what I can promise you is to give the best in my service. Romans 12 and 1 said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your body a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. We render acceptable service unto God by doing what he wants us to do and when he wants us to do it, and where he wants us to do it. When we live in obedience of our calling of service, we will be blessed. What I'm asking you is to encourage yourself. Encourage yourself to find what you can do to help someone else. The Holy Spirit has given us the understanding of divine work. Service until the day we die. And that great commission of Matthew 28, 16, and 20 says, where on the Mount of Galilee, Jesus called on his followers to make disciples and baptize all nations in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Is, this is the right thing to do to give reasonable service. Amen? Only you, when you commune with the Lord will know the calling on your life to touch someone, to help another person, 
to render a needed helping hand and speak a kind word. You have a right to determine your reasonable service with the guidance of the Holy Spirit of what is reasonable for you. So I wanted to give you an example. Something most incredible was the life of Hiram Rhodes Revels. Most of us know him as the first senator of the state of Mississippi who happened to be an African-American. But he was first living in North Carolina in 1827. He went to seminary in Indiana and Ohio. He was ordained in the African Methodist Episcopal Church. But then he decided to move to Natchez, Mississippi, his wife and his daughters, and he continued his career as a clergy. But he became so respected in the community that they wanted him to run for office. So in 1868, he became an alderman. This was the first phase after Reconstruction. And then he briefly served in the Mississippi State Senate. It was in 1870 that he became the first African-American United States Senator representing the state of Mississippi. What I found unusual in his history was, Mary, that he didn't serve in the Senate but one year. Isn't that odd? But what I concluded was he did not consider that his reasonable service to God. And what happened was he became the president of the historical black college, now Alcorn University. It is so interesting that his life that I raised to you this morning, it was on January 16th. 121 years ago to the date. Now, if Hiram Revels could determine that all of what he had done was not reasonable service, then you have a responsibility to go back and ask God, am I doing enough? Is this reasonable service, Pat? Or does God really expect more of me. Revel said something that really touched me in his quotes. Have the colored people done anything to justify the prejudice against them that exists in the hearts of so many white people? And generally, of one great political party in this country, have they done anything to justify it? And then he had a resounding, no, sir. So what I say to you is that if he could make that revelation, if he could determine that all of what he had done in politics and in the church was not enough, but he needed to go back and instill something in children, Dr. Green, that's what we need to look at this morning. What 
is your reasonable service. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and don't let yourself be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. What is reasonable service? Stop making excuses. Stop spending dollars that you don't even have and then going to payday lending to get your bills paid. Don't accept barriers that someone else sits up for you. Free yourself from doubt and negative habits. Fears of any kind except of God are not instruments of love, nor work for good in giving service. Revels was a mighty person to me. Because anytime you can go back and instill in children, then you have done a mighty, reasonable service. So, let me go to this last one, because I know somebody may be getting a little tired of listening to me. There's a third one. You have a right to the tree of life. You know, I think that most times we get a little bent out of shape when we start thinking about going to heaven. And Reverend Hayton, uh, most, some of you may not know that name, but Reverend Hayton was our pastor before Reverend Horace Buckley. And, and Reverend Hayton would talk about heaven gloriously. But he said, but I'm not homesick. You know, and, and I think that that's how most of us think about it half of the time. We're, not, we're really not ready to go there yet. But isn't it wonderful to know that there is a place prepared for you? That all you got to do is get you together and give your life to Christ. The tree of life symbolizes, represents our personal development, our uniqueness, and individual beauty. But the branches of a tree strengthen and grow upwards to the sky. We too grow stronger, striving for greater knowledge, wisdom, and new experiences as we move through life. But from the body, the tree connects to the physical and spiritual worlds. The tree of life appears two times in the Bible, generally. In Genesis, when we talk about the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil, we talk about the story of Adam and Eve and how they did not accept eating all the rest of the stuff that was in the Garden of Eden. Can you see some of us? But they wanted knowledge. They wanted to understand more than what God intended for them. So they betrayed his trust. They disobeyed God and ate from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. But what is so key in that Genesis 2 chapter is that God said in the chapter 3 that he did not want them to risk eating from the tree of life and living forever in a state of disobedience. When we look at our opportunities past the sins of Adam and Eve, 
we would have to go all the way to the end of the Bible to Revelation. Revelation 2 and 7 says, anyone with ears to hear, just listen to the Spirit and understand what it is saying to the churches. To everyone who is victorious, I will give you fruit from the tree of life in the paradise of God. To eat of the tree of life is to follow Christ by bearing your cross of repentance and love God. That comes from Matthew 16 and 24. But Revelation uh, 22, 14 says, Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have the right to the tree of life and have entered into the gates of the city. There are several scriptures that say nearly the same thing. And the one from the New Living Testament says, Blessed are they who wash their robes. They will be permitted to enter through the gates of the city and eat of the fruit of the tree of life. The washing of the robes, as mentioned, is a metaphor of purification from uncleanliness, meaning cleaning yourselves from sin. A reference to those who are saved through their faith in Christ. Christians are fully washed with the blood of the Lamb, the blood of Jesus. But you know, all of this seems like pie in the sky, doesn't it? It doesn't seem like we can really grasp it. One of the good things about life is that every now and then God will give you something that will help you connect with the hereafter. And for me this week, it was the song, Lift Every Voice and Sing. I know most of us don't know the history that this was a poem at first written by James Welding Johnson and that it was performed by 500 children to President Abraham Lincoln on his birthday, February 12th in 1900. But the poem was put to music by his brother, John Rosamond Jackson. And then it was adapted by the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People as what we know as our national black anthem. And Pat, this just about ends the sermon. But I want you to hear the words in a different way this morning. Sometimes it's hard to lift every voice and sing. And then to think about we're going to sing until the earth and heaven ring. <laughs> Is it easy all the time to let your rejoicing rise? High as a listening sky. God is up there. We know he's up there. And then it tells us to let it resound loud. Just like a rolling sea. And then these next verses say, sing a song. Full of the faith that the dark past has taught you. Hasn't our past taught us well? Sing a song that's full of hope 
we have to keep hope, y'all, because it has brought us. We have to be facing the rising sun of a new day begun because we must march on until victory is won. Yes, there have been stony roads. We've tried it. Bitter. A testing rod. That means beatings. It was felt in the days when hope unborn had nearly died. But yet, with a sturdy beat, have not our weary feet. We can't get tired, y'all. Come to a place where our fathers did stop maybe and sigh a little bit. We've come over a way that with tears it has been watered. We come treading through paths of blood of the slaughters. But we hope that we are out from a gloomy past. And I know we stand right now and we're looking for a white gleam of a bright star that is cast. God of our weary years, God is our silent tears who has brought us thus far on our way. Thou who has by thy might led us into the light. Keep us. Keep us, Lord. Lest our feet stray from the places our God where we met thee. Lest our hearts drunk with the wine of the world we forget thee. Shadows, shadows beneath our hand. But May we forever stand true to God and true to our native land. Take these words. Take this sermon. Pray and meditate and listen clearly to see your own vision then write it down that's called an action plan then assume you're right with purpose you have a right to happiness you have a right to reasonable service and you have a right to the tree of life You have a right to the tree of life. But God so loved the world, he gave us his only begotten son. He gave you life. You have a right. Amen. Did not our hearts burn as we listened to the words along the way? Now we have heard the word. 
Blessed be for naught. And it's time for our response. There may be someone here today who do not know the Lord Jesus Christ in a part in their sins. It doesn't make any difference how long you have been attending church, what committees, committee or committees you serve on. In the words of Jesus Christ, you must be born again. And Jesus Christ is so gracious that he's standing right now with his arms wide open, with welcome arms, welcoming you if you do not know it. The door of the church is open. If there be one, come now while there is time. With everyone, We've come to the close of this service, and uh, Pat, do you think we could just do one standard, lift every voice and sing if you'd lead us, and if you stand, and then we will be dismissed from this service. Lift every voice and sing till earth and Jesus, that every saint say amen, amen, and amen.